Romans chapter 14 is where we're going tonight, the book of Romans chapter number 14. Before we do that, and uh, as you're turning there, I need to give a shout out, happy birthday, Madison Tanuyan, and if we can put her picture up, today is her birthday, and uh, there she is doing her best uh, to blow out the candles, and it looks like she's halfway through it. Uh, but uh, that is amazing. Happy birthday, Madison. Here is your happy birthday song. Are you ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Madison. Happy birthday to you. God bless you, Madison Tanuyan. We're just going to shorten you to MT. How about that MT? And uh, God bless you, Madison. Happy birthday. Romans chapter 14, if you will. Romans chapter 14. And we are going to go and look at verse number 18. If you look at verse number 18, there are two words uh, that, are, that are the title for tonight. In verse number 18, for he that in these things serveth Christ. Now, in these things, he that serveth Christ, and here it is, is acceptable to God and approved of men. So I want to preach on those two words, acceptable and approved. There are two worlds that we always deal in. There is the world of God, and then there is the world of man. Mark 12 set us on this course. Jesus Christ was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the greatest is to love the Lord thy God with all. Then he went on to say, the heart, mind, and soul... Then he said, the second is likened to the first, love thy neighbor as thyself. And he was telling us that this is what life is all about. And members that Emmanuel, this is what the book's all about. The Bible is all about two worlds. The world we live with God and the world we live with man. Romans 14 is the culmination of a teaching here that can be found at other places in the Bible. In fact, when the book starts out, the Bible that is, when the Bible starts out, we're going to find out that the very first question from man to God, not God to man, from God to man is, where art thou, when he was talking to Adam, but from man to God was this, am I my brother's keeper? So these two worlds, and is represented by the, uh, the uh, scales right there, to balance these two worlds. I was always of the opinion up until about 15 years ago that it was impossible to be accepted with God and approved with man. It was always two opposing worlds to where you couldn't live that way. You could not live this kingdom of God world as long as you were living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I found out to be true 15 years ago a couple of years before I became pastor, was this. When you read the book, when you read the book, it is always God's heart that you grow in favor and stature with God and with man. Now, I will tell you that in pastor's life, I've tried to learn the art of being acceptable with God and approved with man. Literally what this means is, is it means that man, as they look at you, can give testimony that you have acted 
like the Lord. That's what this means. This means it doesn't matter whether it be an enemy, whether it be a friend, whether it be somebody that does not even know you, that to be approved by man means this, that how they see you live mirrors God and his kingdom. If you'll back up in verse number 17, it says this, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that serveth, uh, for, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of man. When you go back to the beginning of verse of chapter 14, if you go back there in chapter number 14, you're going to find out that these two worlds collide. These two worlds have to be or the one world has to be set straight. And at the beginning of Romans chapter 14, the world with man has to be addressed. And here's how he addresses it in verse number 1 of chapter 14. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Now, now you got to put your thinking cap on, kind of cut out all the distractions around you. Here's what he's saying. This world that is man and God, these two worlds... Have got have, must be balanced. I, I will help your spiritual sanity right now if you'll just listen. These two worlds must be spiritually balanced. But to balance these two worlds, then you have to look at the world of man. Man around you, and look what he says. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. So you are to receive the brother in Christ who is not living up to your spirituality. Now, that always slays me when somebody says, oh, well, you know, I, I have arrived spiritually. Nobody has arrived. Nobody has arrived. But there is this part of all of us that says this. Well, you know, I think to live the Christian life, this is the only way that you can live it. Well, Paul's coming here in the book of Romans, and he says, all right, if you're living these two worlds, acceptable with God, approved of by man, then let's talk about this world that you and I have with the brothers and sisters around us. He said, now, him that's weak in the faith, that brother or that sister that's not living up to where you think they need to live, you are to receive, but then it says, not to doubtful disputations. What it literally means, if you look it up into the, in, in the Greek, when it says doubtful disputations, here's what it means. It means that there is to be no discussion. Now, this is going to be hard for 2020. Are you ready? There is to be no discussion about the spiritual life of a brother or a sister in the Lord. Now, I'm going to let those words sink down heavy. There is to be no discussion. Literally what it says here and what it means is, look at this, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. D -d 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 uh, disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. They were getting saved out of these temples. And uh, there were people that said, now you can eat anything you want. But him that was weak in the faith because the temple was, was a representation of the old life. He said, no, no, I'm just going to eat just herbs. I'm, I'm, I can't go back to the meat that was offered. Well, what was happening here in the book of Romans was that they were putting this brother 
And then the strong Christians were over here and they were discussing their spiritual life. And they were coming, disputations, were coming to a judicial decree. In other words, what they were doing was, is they were taking that brother over there and they were discussing over here that brother who they received and they were putting that brother in this little bitty box that they had created. Well, you go on to read here and let me tell you something. Paul tells them in verse number four, look at it. Who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Look what it says here. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now, Emmanuel Baptist, the reason that I believe God has laid this for this Sunday night, again, six weeks. This is the sixth week coming in. And this is the 15th service. I had no idea we were here. But I will tell you that God is very clear that if this COVID-19 has socially distanced us, I believe it was to push the reset button. And the reset button needs to be pushed on this. We need to leave alone the brothers and sisters in Christ and stop talking about their spiritual level of what we think it should be and what we think it should not be. I'm a PK, a preacher's kid. But I will tell you why preacher's kids and missionaries' kids and evangelist kids are soured on the Christian life and on ministry. You want to know why? Because sad to say, preachers, evangelists, and missionaries are the world's worst about going home and picking apart everybody's spiritual life. Now, that was a mouthful. Picking apart everybody's what they do. In fact, he chose two things. That's 11. He chose two things that he wanted us to bring out. Look at this. He chose in verse number 3, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. We all would agree that the that probably the height of judgment is the table and what somebody eats and what somebody does not eat. I have been trying to eat healthy for the past uh, several years. COVID-19 has not helped this streak at all. But I have been trying to eat healthy. But Miss Kelly keeps making oatmeal cookies and bread, and this is not helping at all. But I will tell you that sometimes my eating habits and my eating patterns, when I sit down, are made fun of. The first week in May, I'm scheduled to be in Puebla, Mexico. At Monday and Tuesday, then Thursday and Friday, I'm scheduled to be someplace else in Mexico. I don't think it's going to happen. don't think it's going to happen at all. But last year when I was down in, in Mexico, not at those two places, but another place, in eating, I am looking for, for something lean to eat, something that, that truly is, okay, I can eat this. And it happened to be an occasion where Brother Cape was with me and Jordan was with me. And we went to this outside taco stand and I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me give something lean. Something, something that's lean, i got to eat healthy. Well, everybody else is like piling all this stuff on, and I'm trying to be very healthy. And I don't know what these men were saying in Spanish, but it kept coming back. I, I could feel their spirit of judgment. 
about what I was eating. Well, that one thing, that one place we went, and, uh, and I wish Jordan could come on over the speaker. That one place we went, they said, hey, we want you to try a taco. So I tried this taco, and uh, they set it in front of me, and they're all watching me eat this thing. And it was the eyeballs of a cow. They had put an eyeballs of a cow in a taco, and I was eating the eyeball of a cow. Then they were like, oh, no, that's lean. That's really healthy. No, it's not. Because have you ever seen what the inside of your stomach looks like? Eat an eyeball, and you'll find out. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you, cameraman, for laughing at that one. But he, he used two things here. He used the table in eating because that truly is where people are judged. You're looking at somebody, I don't like collard greens. I don't like anything like that. My daughter-in-law loves collard greens. And then she has polluted my son. I thought that she would be the help meet. And she has pirated my son's taste buds. Collard greens. And she keeps telling me, oh, you will love collard greens. Grace, listen to me. I don't like collard greens because I'm not eating collard greens. But food is a judgment thing. Food is like, you're really going to eat that? Or when somebody's like, well, you know, I'm just going to eat salad. And then somebody goes, oh, you know, there, it's, it's, it's making fun of, rightfully so. That's the reason Paul chose, I believe, food. And then the second thing he chose was this. Look at verse number 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Look what it says there. Another esteemeth every day alike. There are how we look at things. Paul chose two things that he said this, stay out of their business. Stay out of what they eat at their table and stay out of how they look at things. If, if we are going to destroy Emmanuel Baptist Church, we will destroy it because people are judging people and what they do and how they look at things. Let me give you a good piece of advice. Stay out of people's lives. Stay out of people's business. Stop stalking Facebook and social media because it's ruining your outlook on what you think people should and what you think people should not do. And we are so upset with what somebody eats and we're so upset with how somebody can look at it that all of a sudden, I made a statement on Easter, I think it was, that says, you know, you're a hypocrite if you celebrate Christmas, but you won't eat a chocolate Easter bunny. I did not realize that I did it again. I took on Christmas and the Easter bunny. But, but, that, but somebody said, oh, no, Christmas trees of the devil. Leave them alone. Oh, you know, Easter egg hunt, he, it's not about the bunny. Leave them alone. Because here's why. He's not our servant. And if this COVID-19 has done anything, may it reset us to where we stay out of people's business. So in order to live this life that says, I am approved by man and I am accepted with God, Paul goes all the way back to the very beginning and he says this, they're not your servants, they don't have to stand before you, you, my friend, are not their master. In fact, go down to verse number 12. Now, I'm headed somewhere, so go down to verse number 12. In verse number 12, it says, so then, let every, so then every one of us shall give account of himself 
to God. Paul is getting ready to flip this chapter. I find it very interesting that Paul was saying, listen to me, when you receive somebody that is weak in the faith, do not receive them to talk about them and their spiritual life to make a judicial decree and put them in a box. That's not why you receive them. You receive them because they're growing. By the way, all of us are growing in the Lord. You receive them because they're growing. Then he chose the table and he chose the day. And what he was saying was, look, stop looking into what they're eating on their table and judging them by what they eat. And stop looking at their calendar and judging them by what they esteem above someplace else. They're not your servant. You're not their master. Everybody's got to give an account. But then all of a sudden, he takes this table and he flips it all the way around and he says this, but I will tell you what you are responsible with your brother. Look what he says here. Verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, things whereof one may edify. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to, neither, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth. You have any idea what he just said? Instead of you looking over at what's on your brother's table, why don't you look at what's on your table and look at your brother and say, is anything on my table? going to cause my brother to stumble. I, I think about that often when I'm listening to music. I think about that often when I'm watching TV. I'm, I'm thinking about how hypocritical it is to look at somebody else's life and judge them. They're not my servant. But yet give me a free pass? I, I, I think often that what goes on on this cell phone right here how easy it is to peer over into somebody else's cell phone and, 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 and to judge them and come to a conclusion rather than come back and say, I, I wonder if anything could be pulled up on that cell phone right there. I wonder if I died right now and somebody had to clean out my office or clean up. I wonder if they would find anything on my table, if they would find anything that I esteemed up here. And it would cause them, look what it says there, it would cause them to be offended and to stumble. To be acceptable to God and to be approved by man, you first must address man. I'm not going to be much longer. And whenever I say that, i got to check my watch. I've only been preaching for 17 minutes, so I think we're okay. Now that you have pulled in your fangs of judgment, your venom for your brother, and now I'm to look at my table, not his table. I'm to look at what I prioritize as important, not at what he prioritizes. And then I'm to ask, is anything I'm partaking of, is anything that I'm prioritizing, partaking and prioritizing, will it cause my brother to stumble. The word esteem. Can we talk about that word? I am finding out very quickly from my children how hypocritical I am. My children let me know that 
on a regular basis. They let me know that because of my grandkids. Boy, don't give me an amen. Be quiet back there. Because they absolutely, Deanna's is watching this right now, and she has, she said it once, she said it a dozen times in these years we've had grandkids, especially when they can go with Grand Bob and, and they'll be eating in my car or they'll have a sucker or, or, or with my suit on, I'll let them on top of my shoulders and they'll run their hands through my hair and mess it up. And, and, and yes, Brother Josh, it does get messed up and messing it up and everything. And my, my kids will go, What? You would never let us do that when we, what? Let me tell you, that right now I esteem some things not as high as what I used to. There are some things I used to say, kids, you can't touch that. But now guess what? I don't care if the grandkids touch. Kids can't touch it, but grandkids can. Why? Because I'm human. But you know what I'm supposed to do? I am not supposed to look into somebody else's world and bring them to a discussion to where I put them in a box. The best, zoom all the way in, all the way in, get all the way in, right, right to the shining face. Listen to me, the best day of my life, best day of my life is when I set everybody free and gave them back their own life. My wife, okay, get away, get away, I think I have problems. Uh, my wife will testify to this. I don't care. When she tells me, Bob, I need to tell you something, I don't care. I don't care. If I meet somebody in public and they're eating something or they're steaming something, I don't. Best day of my life. And I'll tell you what it's allowed me to do. It's allowed me to be balanced, trying to be balanced in my life. So he says here, he says, let me tell you something. Your job is not to look at their table and go into discussion. Your job is not to look at what days they esteem and to go in discussion because they're not your servant. You're not the master. In fact, if you want, you, my friend, are just like Cain. You are responsible for your brother, so you need to take a look at your table and take a look at what you esteem. And if anything on your table or anything you really put up here would be a stumbling block, then you're not to do it. So now we come down to where he tells us, if you will look at verse number 17. Verse number 17. And I don't have time uh, to really um, go into a lot of the, of, of the doctrine uh, here in Romans is a book of doctrines, although this is a great Bible study. In fact, I'll give you one more thought. Go down to verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. That's what he said. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. Let me tell you, there comes a built-in happiness when you understand, hey, I am going to answer to the Lord. I am going to answer for how I lead my family. Now, children, let me tell you something. Don't look at your mom and dad right now and say, stay out of my table and stay out of my calendar. Because if you do that, they're just going to crush you. And you can't go to church and you can't go to school. So there is no escape until May whatever. But I will tell you 
Listen, that when you get out on your own, there are single adults right now that are having a hard time with their relationship with man because they keep going into discussion. Well, I just can't believe they do that, and I just can't believe they do that, and I can't believe they let them do that, and I can't believe they let them do that. You know what the book says? The book tells us, and, and here's what I want to get to, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. This is very interesting. Paul said, you know that kingdom, you know that world that God lives in? That world that God lives in is not found in what's on the table. Now, before liberals run to the end, oh, I don't have anything on the table I want to if it's not found in meat, meat or drink. You better be careful because where it's not found in meat and drink, it is found in three things. Meat and drink is not my focus. The three things I'm going to give you, that is my focus, which results in being very concerned about what's on your table. You see, when you, the person, are doing the kingdom of God, then it always results in an an awareness of what is on the table and what is on the calendar. It always brings about this this responsibility that no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. It's right there in the text. And that now I have to be very concerned. But what he's telling them is, look, it's not found. You're looking first what's on the table and what day on the calendar do they... That's not where you look first. Where you look first, the kingdom of God is not found on this side. The kingdom of God is found in these three things. Look at it. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Three things. Look at this. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, these three words, I'm going to give you, Emmanuel, that you are to live out spiritually. When you are spiritually what you need to be, when I am spiritually what I need to be, then that table will be right, and the calendar will be right, and then all of a sudden the awareness of this, I've got to walk circumspectly again from this morning, not because of me. It is not what I want. It is the fact that there is a weaker brother out there. There is somebody else around me. It is the fulfilling of the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. And then love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. So here we go. Three things I want to give you, then I'm done. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy. And look at verse 18. For he that... In these things, serveth Christ, is acceptable to God and approved of man. You see, when you and I operate in the kingdom of God with these, and we're serving Christ with these three things, then all of a sudden we have this balanced world that everybody wants. Boy, let me tell you. I find myself, when I start discussing other people's table and other people's calendar, you know what I find? I find that my spirit starts dropping. And I find 
that I'm negative, I'm skeptical, and I don't want to live that way. So these three things I've tried to live the past 15 years. Look at it. Look at what it says. But righteousness, peace, and joy. There's a kicker there. Well, let me give them to you. And I'll give you the kicker at the end or the, or the vehicle at the end. Righteousness. That's equity. Righteousness means equity. It means value that's built on integrity, that's built on the doing of right, that is built on a result of who you are in Christ. See, if you are lost, act like you want to act. If you're on your way to hell, do what you want to do. If you're a child of disobedience and you're a child of the devil, lie, cheat, steal, do drugs, be immoral, commit adultery, commit fornication, do whatever you want to do, think whatever you want to think. Let me tell you, because if that's you, then do whatever you want to do. But if you are a child of God, then guess what? Live up to who you are on the inside. You have the righteousness on the inside. So God said this, if you want to serve Christ, Paul said if you want to serve Christ, then you serve him in these things, and then you will be accepted by God and approved by man. Then these two worlds are balanced. And that is simply this, righteousness. Doing what is right creates value. And when you just do what's right, then value comes along. A professional golfer, Ray Floyd, was getting ready to tap in a routine nine-inch putt. He saw the ball move ever so slightly. According to the rule book, if the ball moves uh, uh, in this way, the golfer must take a penalty stroke. Yet consider the situation. Floyd was among the leaders in the tournament offering a top prize of $108,000. To acknowledge that the ball had moved could mean he would lose his chance for big money. Writer David Hollihan describes as follows what others might have done after seeing the ball move. Quote, the athlete ducks his head and flails wildly with his hands as if being attacked by a killer bee. Next, he steps back from the ball, rubbing his eye for a phantom speck of dust, all the while scanning his players, playing partners, and the gallery for any sign that the ball's movement had been detected by others. If the coast is clear, he taps the ball in for his par, end quote. However, Ray Floyd didn't do that. He assessed himself a penalty stroke and wound up with a bogey on the hole and lost $108,000. I will tell you that the hardest thing to do in this world is to keep your integrity, but it is the necessary thing to do. The first two things go hand in hand. He said, if, if you want to be acceptable with God and you want to be approved of men, then perfection is not required. Righteousness, that integrity, that equity, that doing of right, that virtue, that purity of life, that correctness of thinking, that acting. Then he says this, if you will... Serve Christ with righteousness. I'm, I, I'm going to be a man of integrity. 
I'm going to be a man of virtue. I'm going to be a man. That, that's what I'm going to be. But what if you fail? What if you and I fail? And by the way, straighten up your halo. All of us have failed in our integrity at some point. Then this is why the next word is found, and that is the word peace. And I've got to hurry. The Lord just told me to shut her down. The word peace. The word peace means this, to set it one again. This is the world of God's kingdom. Righteousness, peace. You see, sometimes we don't do what is right. Sometimes we are the Floyd that we, we, we flail wildly, phantom speck in our eye, hoping that we divert everybody's attention, then we put it in for $108,000. You, you see, that's us sometimes. But then all of a sudden, there is this peace. You see, whenever we don't, we don't have integrity, we don't do what's right, we don't have virtue, then we cannot be approved by man, and God is not accepted. It's not acceptable with him. Then God says, if you will serve me in righteousness, but if you blow it in righteousness, then serve me in peace. Peace literally means here to set it one again. I've preached a hundred times from behind this pulpit. This is a new pulpit. But how many times have I been preaching and I, and I have just hit that mic and the top of that thing has flown off? Do you know that before when it was sitting on top of there, it was in a righteous state? There was equity. It was together. It was exactly what it needed to be. Now it is not. There are many times because we're human that out of sincerity things happen. But it doesn't mean that just because you're sincere that you don't need to set it at one again. You know what it's going to require? You know what the Lord said? My kingdom's not meat and drink. Get out of somebody else's table. Get out of somebody else's calendar and stop judging them. And you be very conscious of what's at your table and what's on your calendar. So that if you in serving me blow it with a brother then you are to serve me in peace. And I have no idea where it went, but there it is. Watch this. Peace is to set at one again. Watch. Now the mic and the cover are at peace. It is easy to justify us not setting at peace if we are looking over at somebody's table. Well, that doesn't even honor the Lord. Or going to somebody's calendar. Look, they love Groundhog Day more than Christmas. They esteem this. It's easy for us to judge. You know what God's saying? You better, be, you better be more interested what's on your table and what's on your calendar that would make your brother stumble. You're to serve me not with the table and the calendar. You're to serve me in righteousness. And then if you do violate your integrity, then you can serve me in peace. Set it one. Do you know that there are many times that 
God reveals to me. That things are not at one. That, that, that I have violated integrity. I've violated the very core values that I think I'm all about. And that things are not at peace. And sometimes to set things at one again, to, to put it to one again, it, it may take some time. But listen, it may take time to put it at one again physically. But it doesn't take time to put it at one again brotherly. Let me tell you, I understand there's some things that are going to have to happen to make this completely right. But I'll tell you that, that, that whenever I'm made aware that things are not right, I cannot tell you how grieved I am. And then I cannot tell you how that all of a sudden it's like, okay, all right, we, we, we just got to set this at one again. Because I, 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 I got to get this done. And, and, and there are things that, that to me right now, that I'm like, okay, how can I get this done? How can I set this right again? I got to set this right. Listen, you and I, maybe the reason God pulled the plug on any social interaction is because he wanted all of us to reset. Get out of people's world. Stop thinking you're a good Christian because you live better than somebody else. His kingdom is not at the table. His kingdom is not on the calendar. His kingdom is righteousness. And his kingdom is peace. The last thing is this, joy. Joy. Do you know that joy is not a temporary emotion? Joy is not a smile. Joy is not a laughter. Joy is not any of those things. Do you know what joy is? Watch this. Joy is a default setting. It's where I return to after I've been in the valley. And it's where I return to after I've been on the mountaintop. Joy is a static line. It's not a mountaintop. It's not a valley. Joy is what happens to me after I leave a Robbie and Brandy and Sydney and, and that beautiful baby at the funeral home. And have prayer with them. And see the tears. The uncontrollable tears. And the sorrow that Corey, the father, had. And I'm there. My heart is just heavy. And then all of a sudden, I, I get back in my truck and I'm driving down the road. And then I'm reminded of the Thessalonians. Comfort one another with these words. And guess what? My sorrow comes back to joy. It's the moment you find out that, are you serious? Oh, that's exciting. I'm on the Mount Transfiguration. This is great. And then when I come down off the mountain, guess what I come back down to? Joy. But joy is that indicator from, listen to this, the spirit. Because look at the kicker, what I told you about at the very end. It's a prepositional phrase found right there. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and what? Joy where? In the Holy Ghost. If I'm driving down the road and I'm watching my dash, and all of a sudden a light comes on in my dash, you know what that light tells me? That something is wrong under the hood. Something is wrong somewhere. 
Do, do you know, dear Christian, listen to this. Don't get distracted. Listen to this. Do you know that when you're serving Christ, it is like driving this car? And I am not to be interested in what's going on in somebody else's calendar, in somebody else's table, but I'm to serve Christ the best I can. And when there is no static line of joy, then I know this about Bob Gray. When all of a sudden I'm like, okay, there's no joy. Lord, I've been to the mountaintop. Then how come I don't have joy? How come I don't default to joy? I'm defaulting to emptiness. Something's just not right. And Lord, I've been to a funeral, but I can't get back to joy. It is the Holy Ghost. And this is why you must walk in the Spirit that we'll talk about Wednesday night. This is where the Holy Ghost in you and the Holy Ghost in me is saying the reason I am withholding joy is because there is no righteousness and there is no peace. Something is broken in your life and you've got to go set it at one again. Let me tell you, I think I truly believe this. God is resetting everybody's spiritual life so that you and I can go back and stop judging other people, get out of other people's, get, get away from other people's table, get away from everybody else's calendar, and come back down to this. Lord, I am going to serve you with my integrity and the righteousness, and I'm going to serve you by nothing being broken. Everything will be set at one. And if it's not, then withhold joy from me. And at the end of the day, listen, my relationship with God and my relationship with man on these hang all the law and the prophets. That's what the Lord said. You know, I didn't have time this morning, but throughout the Bible, it's replete with this thought. God, man. God, man. It used to be this thinking, and may it not be in our church, but it used to be, our table's right, everybody else's table is wrong. We got the only right table. And because your table doesn't look like our table, your setting's like, not like, no, no, no. Your, your calendar's not like our calendars. We're the superior church, and we're the superior Christian. Let me tell you something. All of us are as filthy rags, and all of us deserve to go to hell. And it's about time we got our eyes off of somebody else's table and we simply got back onto this one thought. That's not my servant. I'm not their master. And I'm just to simply serve Christ with a purity of heart, a righteousness about me. And then peace. I should always be setting, should always be setting at one. I should always be trying to figure out a way. How do I heal this? How do I get this done? And I know that joy. I, I am a happy man. I really am. I, I am a very joyous man, I should say. I love life. I, I can walk from a funeral to a wedding to counseling to laughter to whatever the case may be. And, 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 and honestly, it's like, this is a great day. This is a great day. And because it's a great day, but I know this about me. That that kind of Bob didn't start until I gave everybody back their life. I, uh, I didn't ask the, the uh, gentleman if I could use this illustration. But the uh, um, college student from the West Coast 
called and said, hey, could you get me, could you tell me your thoughts about the local church and, and how it has changed? And, uh, and, and I delayed in getting back with him because I'm thinking to myself, how do I answer that? Because I don't really care what other local churches do. But boy, if we're not careful, we're looking at somebody else's website. We're checking out somebody else's service. We're seeing how somebody else does it. And then all of a sudden it comes down to, well, they're not right. Let me tell you, they're not my servant. I'm not their master. And the only thing I know to do is I want to be accepted by God. And I want to be approved by man. Now this approval by man is not agreement by man. I want to end with this thought. It is not agreement. It is approval. It is them saying at some point, yeah, yeah, he acted like Christ. And then let that person's master take care of them. But how many times have I been on the other end to where somebody has said, yeah, he didn't act like Christ. Christ wouldn't have done that. Pastor didn't act like Christ. And then they just simply did what was right. Then all of a sudden, God comes down and hammers me. May we live in this world to where it's very important to us. God, are you pleased with that? God, are you pleased? Am, is, am I accepted by you? And then can the brethren approve that I have tried to act like Christ? Emmanuel Baptist, during this time of social distancing, let's reach up and let's reset who we are. Let's reset what's going on. And I would encourage you. Stay off the Facebook, stay off those kind of things that bring about this peering in to somebody else's table and peering in to somebody else's calendar. Because at the end of the day, I'm not your servant and you're not their master, neither am I. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, we thank you for this time.